0: On The move, little down step was good. Couple of bounces can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational time ticking away. Stop it. Go on, go on. Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and look, Lockie has abandoned me this week. He's, he's flown off to Europe to enjoy look, a nice little bit of a holiday. And i got to say, he's pretty lucky because there is no way that I would have allowed this man to leave me, be left here all alone to record the pod if we did lose to Essendon. There's just no way that that happens. But he's lucky the Blues. We got up by 26 points. I didn't have to go and hide any passports. I'm here. So yes, this week's pod. Going to be a bit different. It's just going to be me here. But hopefully that means it can be a bit of a shorter pod. Although, knowing me, I'll still probably find a way to talk uh, for an hour. So let's get straight into this. It was Essendon's 150th anniversary. Their big birthday celebrations. And we know what Carlton does when we play teams on their birthday. We get the chocolates. So it was really, for me, that start of the game, I was a little bit worried that they were really going to play on I guess that emotion that you see. look, we know that with Essendon and in 2022, you can't win games of football off just emotion. You need structure. You need buy-in. You need that top-end talent, which I just don't think Essendon have. And so I was pretty confident going in, but I I did have those nerves that if we weren't able to nullify that emotion early on, if if we gave Essendon a bit of a sniff that it was going to be a really hard one to get over the line and, we up, what, kicking the first three goals of that contest, which really eased any nerves I had. I didn't really notice too much, I guess, extra energy coming from Essendon early. Uh, but then, you know, I thought we are going to absolutely run over the top of them. Essendon then come back. They end up taking the lead in that first quarter, and which was a little bit strange, but they really started to dominate that, I guess, midfield battle, particularly those center clearances, which was a bit of a surprise, although we did see Collingwood do that to us uh, in the previous match. And I guess that's probably the hardest thing. We didn't want those deep entries knowing that we had that undermanned Carlton defense. We didn't have weedering. And again, that was one of those match winning parts of the game. How can we deal with Essendon with our defense? And so i got to say big credit to Essendon's midfield. Uh, we know how much clearances have been a strength for us. We've been one of the number one scoring sides in the competition from center clearances. And, so yeah, I think I thought they did really well to just work over TDK with Draper and Phillips. We saw Collingwood do that with Cameron and Cox. So maybe this midfield and, and ruck, I guess part of our game is a bit of a watch this space. We we know Tdk's done pretty well without Pittnet there, and our midfield still been able to do a lot. But that's two weeks now that we haven't been at our best, and centre clearances we've got pretty smashed out. So. I, I don't think that Richmond maybe have the, the rucks to deal with that. I don't think they tend to play with the two that can really work over De and, and Silvani. But again, it's just to watch this space because we just simply have to find a way to to nullify that. We, we know that we're going to be without Pitt for a while and we've managed it okay. But We should, we should surely be better. And, and this midfield's good enough to win the battle. And in the second half, we definitely got better at it. But that's, it's a bit of a cause for concern, seeing that another team have done that to us. And particularly without weedering down in that defense to organize things. We have Marchbank coming off his, what, first game in three years. You don't want to give the opposition a lot of those forward looks because that's where they get easy chances from. You don't want the ball pinned in there. So bit of a concern, but yeah, I guess the big story then off the back of that and going into this game was just how that defence was going to to factor in without Weedering could we stand up you're not only losing one of your best players you're not just losing the player that is Weedering with his interceptability winning one on ones and just being one of the best players in the AFL you're losing the organisation you're losing that leadership down there we saw when he went off against Collingwood just how the defence seemed to struggle to to get organised and know exactly where they were this week presents itself an opportunity. Young, can he stand up? Marchbank's first game in three years. What are we going to get from him? And I was incredibly impressed. Uh, we kept what Essendon to 54 points. Didn't really give them too much of a sniff. Uh, you look at Young, 18 disposals, seven marks, 14 intercept possessions, 10 one percenters. And Peter Wright, the the big two-meter Peter, the one we should have been worried about, didn't even, even kick a goal. So that was, I mean, just I was so impressed. With Young's game, I thought he was incredible. I still don't know how the doggies let this guy go for nothing. My weekly SPS drive-by there is, thank God, we got rid of SPS and brought in Lewis Young because this player is incredible. And like we've seen, I guess, TDK have to step up in the absence of Pitt. Now we're seeing what Young can do without weedering down there. And I was just incredibly impressed the way he was able to intercept, read the ball well and sort of marshal that defense. Yeah, it might not be perfect every week. We're going to come up against definitely a lot better forward lines and a lot better big key forwards. So that's going to be a test for him. But, I mean, you can only go off what you've seen. And so far, it's a tick for me. And then you look at Marchbank. I mean, what a man. You know how much I love him. You saw my raw reaction to him getting announced last week. And, yeah, look, had the eight disposals, the two tackles, four marks, two intercept possessions, 12 pressure acts. He... Yeah, he wasn't amazing the whole time. There were little glimpses of, yeah, he's still a bit rusty. But I was so impressed. I, I thought I wasn't going to get that level of performance out of a March bank already. And he had so many almost moments as well. There were moments where the ball comes in, almost gets that intercept, just wasn't exactly in the right spot or the ball was just touched before him. But he he's looking close to the player. He was before he got injured. So for him to do that, his first game in there's always that worry that uh, the pace is just so much different to VFL and he hasn't even played that much VFL. So I think that it has been spoken about a little bit, but when you're training as as a Carlton defender, you're going against Harry, you're going against Charlie, two of the best key forwards in the competition. That's got to help these defenders learn and particularly a March bank who does have that experience, but hasn't played in three years, like I've said about 12 times already. Getting those sort of hours of practice in against some of the best forwards at training has surely got to help him. And you just have to be so impressed with what we saw from Marchie. There was a lot of talk of is Durden gonna come in. And I was kind of on board with that. It just depended whether I guess Durden was ready because it's it's hard to just come in and learn the system and it seems like I think it was Vossi came out and said that, that he, he's just going to take a bit of time to adjust and understand the nuances of our defensive game plan. And I think I, I listened to Pommies chatting about the VFL um, and he, he sort of mentioned that he looked lost at a few times and that's just going to happen. He's, he's a good player. He's got the body. He's got that AFL experience. He just needs to gel himself with this group and understand where he needs to be at all times. Once he's got that, I can see us play the three defenders and allow Marchbank to maybe intercept a little bit more because that's a, a definitely a big strength of his. We saw we wanted to play with that intercept role at the start of the season with McGovern and it definitely was going to protect Marchbank a little bit. So for him to be that second defender, I know Essendon doesn't have that many great talls, but to come in the way he did, I, I thought that was incredibly impressive. And talking about, That midfield, I guess, struggling a little bit with those center clearances. We had to find other ways to score, and I will touch on the the turnovers, but to see the ball come in there very quickly from those center bounces, the way we're able to just rebound was, I mean, it was electric at times. We had, what, 39 rebound inside 50s, which is incredible. We had Doc that had, what, 33 possessions, 699 metres gained, which is the most. We had Newman, 29 and 577 metres gained, which is number two. And then even to touch on someone else that I know I always tend to, but I thought Plowman again had one of his his better games for us. I get it. I know I'm the number one ticket holder of the Plowman fan club, but I, I'm just hoping that people are finally starting to see just a bit of what he brings to this team. I think he wins a lot of those one-on-ones, particularly on ground level. He always finds a way to just keep working to just even the contest and bring the ball to the advantage of our other defenders. So I'm just – I'm incredibly impressed with what he's been able to do now that we've got a bit more structure down there. He's not just getting isolated one-on-one all the time, which not many defenders are going to. Going to do very well if that happens for you. And, yeah, look, he's not perfect. I I won't be fussed if, if someone eventually takes over his spot in this team. But for me, what he's been able to do probably this last month or so, that's kind of the benchmark now for someone to come in and take his spot. And I guess for me, not many other players are doing exactly what he does right now. So I guess let me know. Tweet at us. Let us know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube what you've made of Lockie Plowman's last month because I've been pretty impressed. And I don't know if this is going to be enough to turn some Carlton supporters, and I get that. But I I just feel like there needs to be a lot of credit, particularly for him and this whole backline as a whole, because that was the the worry going into this. Can our backline hold up without weedering And yeah, to only concede 54 points and that really be the way we were generating a lot of our scores. I was just incredibly, I guess, impressed with that. So in talking about the rebound and the struggling from center clearances, let's talk about the way we were able to score, which a lot of the what the pundits were talking about this at the start of the year was Carlton are only a centre clearance team, we're only scoring from centre bounces, and with the best teams, the teams that win the grand finals are the the scores from turnovers. And I've never heard the phrase "scores from turnovers" so much in one season compared to this year. It's been ridiculous. And look what happens. We we I guess. We lose pit. We don't have maybe that dominance over the last month or so. And if guess what? We find a way. So I'm very impressed with Michael Voss and this midfield and this whole team to, to find different avenues to score. And I believe we're the number one ranked team over the last six or so weeks from scores from turnover, which is incredible. That They said that this was our, our weakness, and now we've turned it into a strength. And I also find that this analysis is a little bit interesting because – If 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 you're the number one scoring team from center clearances and you're still winning games of footy, surely that means that, well, one, you've got most of the ball because we're the number one disposal team. We're winning it from the start of the game. The ball goes up, we get it, we kick a goal. Maybe there is no turnovers for us to even score from. So I don't know why this was such an issue at the start of the season because surely it doesn't matter if you're scoring goals and scoring enough then that doesn't matter. And if you've, you've kicked a goal, where does the ball go? Back to the center. You win it again, kick another goal, goes back to the center. Where's the turnover? We're winning the footy, we're kicking the goals and then getting it in again. So, yeah, it's just a weird thing that everyone was saying, yeah, but you're not doing this. And it's like, well, who cares? Because we're winning games of footy. And so now that we lost that dominance, now we're showing that we can score big from from turnovers. And, yeah, this time we sort of saw how easy a team like Essendon you can just run through them and it kind of reminded me of what teams are doing to us last season and we did it I guess similarly at times against against Collingwood we're playing our best we did that against um I thought Richmond as well at times creating space so it's it's now dangerous this forward handball I know Kingy was talking about it and just how much that can create space and overlap for us and I mentioned at the top of this show how much that the energy was going to be up for Essendon, but we know they don't have that structure, and yeah, we just absolutely tore them apart through the middle. As soon as they turned that ball over, it was like three handballs, one kick, and, and a shot on goal, and that's what the best teams do, and if we want to you know, be one of the better teams in the league, we've got that midfield dominance. We've now added another layer, so it's it's just more excitement for me, and we probably overused it, I think, at times. And particularly in that second half, that third quarter, and even last quarter, we are a little bit too cute with it in that final third. We, we did all the work to bring the ball forward. We had some overlaps. We had some um, outnumbers at times in that forward line, and we just we went the extra handball or we tried to do something a little bit too smart when we know what we don't want to happen to us, which is long, deep entries because we're a little bit undermanned. And what do we have? We've got the two best tools in this competition. So you sometimes, you just need to get it in deep. And I think I said this against, in sort of the Collingwood review as well, that there were moments where we just needed to go long. We have the targets down there. It isn't the case of just panicking and bombing long and hoping that one of our tools are going to get it like we do sometimes, sort of long down the line. This is lock that ball in. So... When we did that, we looked really good. When we were able to blitz teams and create those those gaps, I thought were amazing. But, yeah, there were just a couple of times, I think, late in that game, particularly that second half, which Vossi, I don't think, was impressed with either. Um, just, you know, tried a little bit too hard and, and tried a little too much to try and get that ball going. But it, it's just it is a new facet of our game that it's been impressive over this last month or so we're evolving, we're finding different ways to score and that's another plus. So is that what you guys are seeing? Because I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. So I'll, I'll jump into some fan questions now. Cause those are, I guess the few main points I had talking about this game, how the defense was going to hold up and what was going to happen with that midfield. Once we lost those center clearances and all of those for me are ticks. So, as I'm doing this by myself, I thought let's get you guys involved a bit more. So let's get into the fan questions. And the first one is from our man. Had to start it with Timmy Dub. Says, statistically, we were well down on areas we do well. Center clearances, tackles inside 50, et cetera. The big difference in our favor was the marks inside 50 if Big H doesn't play, do we still win tonight? Or was it just a professional display and we did what we needed to do? And that's an interesting question. Obviously Harry comes in. There's a lot of talk about, is he underdone? Is he ready to go? As much as I've maybe given it to the medical team, I will back them in. It's their judgment. They say he's passed all the fitness tests. I don't think they're dumb enough to rush him back. He obviously passed enough. And what leading goal kicker on the night. So he clearly was ready to go and, I don't know. I don't love the the ifs sort of questions, like, oh, if he doesn't play, well, we probably lose that because you take away his goals. But I think maybe this is just me, but I have so much belief now in just the way we can evolve. You've seen it, you've seen me just talk about we well, were that center clearance team, where now all of a sudden that score from turnover team, you take different things away, we find ways to evolve and get the better of it. And when we didn't have Harry, I saw our smalls take over. I saw your your dirt and your always motlop. You know Zach Fisher's really take over, bring that pressure, score a lot of goals, and even what in that first game against Richmond, Harry and Charlie played. I think they only kicked like the one goal between them. Even TDK, you throw him into that. There was one goal between our three talls. We found other avenues to score. So it's not. A massive worry for me because I believe that we we just can do it. I've seen it enough now. I saw it against Sydney. It was the big test. Can we can we win without Harry against a really good opposition? And we found ways to kick a lot of goals. What was it? Nine goals or something in that in that second quarter. So yeah, it wasn't the most complete performance. We could have, yeah, easily gone and, and beaten them by a hundred points. Probably should have. We weren't at our standard for most of that game. But to grind that out to just get the win when we needed it. And we need to be beating these teams below us that are not at our, at our level, particularly when we've got these games coming up in the next couple of weeks against those that are, we're sort of fighting for the top eight. I think that we can find ways to win and we can do it without big H. You obviously want your key players in there. And that's, that's going to be the difference between us probably playing finals and going further is getting all these key players back. So yeah, you can easily say we wouldn't have maybe won without him, but I think I'm confident enough in us now that you take something away and we'll just figure it out. And I, we've got enough key players. You've got Jack Martin down there that can take marks. I, I think we can do it. Um, next question is from Navy Blue Baggers, who asks: After seeing that performance and how the makeshift backline held up, does it change your perspective on how the next few days, sorry, next few games will go until we get some more cavalry back and? Yeah, I was very impressed. It's gonna be interesting when we come up against a team with the two key talls. I'm not sure if Lynch is gonna be back next week, so we might just have to worry about Rewalt, which will be good for us to only have, I guess, that one really elite kind of tool. But I was, I was just impressed. We, we, I think I mentioned it in that Collingwood review that, and even maybe the mid-season where the times we've struggled is when we've lost those key players in the game, and then we haven't really been able to adjust maybe quick enough. But you've given us a week when we've lost some of these players, we come out and, and we've we've almost sorted it out. The, the coaching staff have, have figured out different ways in making sure that, yeah, we might have lost this, but we can move some levers around, we can move some players around, chuck the magnets anywhere you want them, and, and the boys will find a way. And that's what I'm seeing now. I just have a lot of belief that, they can do a job. Lewis Young just keeps stepping up. And I've never been so impressed with someone from such a short period of time. This guy that he was behind Oscar McDonald at the start of the year comes in when McDonald comes down and was very just impressive. Just did his job. Didn't play sort of bigger than he needed to. Just had his role and went for it. And now with Weedering, you're going, gee, that's a big hole. Someone needs to take this. Again, uh, I just could not be more impressed with with every single person down there. So, in the games coming up, does the defense? Are you? Am I as worried? Probably not. Then I know it was on the Essendon. Not trying to get ahead of myself. Anything could happen in these next few games. But seeing how well we coped with it, particularly with the ball coming in there pretty hot from those center clearances, and we just nullified Essendon's sort of forward attack. Uh, I th- I think we should hopefully. Fingers crossed, um, be in, in for a good chance in these next few weeks. But let me know, has is, is the way you've seen this backline play now, and it's only one game, has that changed your perception? I'd like to hear your, your guys' thoughts as well. Um, Next question is from David Madden. Says, it's becoming a pattern that we blast a lead in the first half and then more or less hang on to it in the second half. Do you think that's our plan Or is it because opposition teams adjust their plans against us as the game progresses? And that's a good question. I I don't think it's much of a game plan that the idea is let's kick ten goals in this quarter and then let's not play for the rest. It it might be a bit of adjusting. It might be a bit of tiredness in one quarter. But I want to look at it. I'm going to look at it from the opposition perspective. Like our positive is. When we get a run, teams seem to like shit themselves. They can. It's almost like what was happening the opposite to us last year where you kick a couple of goals on Carlton and all of a sudden we just capitulate. We're being able to do that to opposition. And that's for me just from hard work from that midfield, being able to run, the team defense, those rebound inside 50s that I spoke about, the key forwards. As a system, we're cutting teams open. We're creating space for those runners And we're able to get these and pile on these scores pretty quickly. That's a real positive. And yeah, are we maybe doing that for a full four quarters? Maybe not. Definitely that third quarter, we were down in a lot of key areas. There was that sort of 15-minute patch to end the quarter that just wasn't great. We weren't playing how we've seen us play. And Vossi gave him that spray. Everyone saw that at three-quarter time, which we love to see. And the difference between that and a Teague spray, which I, I don't want to chat too much about Teague from last season, but you just saw, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I, this is what I saw. It was every single one of those players were just focused on everything Vossie was saying, and they you could see them nodding their heads. You could see the buy-in of just every single player going, "Yeah, that was pretty shit. We we weren't playing how we want to play. Yeah, let us know. That's not acceptable." And it's it's nice to give a spray when you're winning and the game is basically over. I do love to see that from Vossi because it's so much easier to, I guess, do that when you're winning rather than when you're losing and it's setting standards. He knows that this isn't good enough. The players know that's not good enough. And then I will touch on that last quarter later, but I thought we did see a bit of a response too. And yeah, so I guess going back to David's question, I don't think it's part of the game plan. Um, And I don't think it's necessarily the opposition to just, it's just, it's hard to play those four quarters and continually kick goals because teams in this day and age just aren't going to let you kick 10 goals a quarter. It just, it probably won't happen. And sometimes I think we're ourselves to blame. I think we maybe don't play for the full four quarters at that level, um, but that's our growth. We're still winning games of footy, but we know we've got this extra gear that we can go to when we need it. And that's, that's exciting. That's where the change is going to be come September when the game's on the line and we know that we can pull that lever and, and go into that next gear. Um, question from Scott. Is our ruck a real problem for us? guess I've touched on that a little bit and it, it is. We've talked about the depth being an issue. I, I just think it is. We've seen when we have Pitt in there, when we've got that bigger body, how easy we can score from centre clearances, and you lose that. You've got what J Sauce being the second ruck. We come up against opposition where they're playing two rucks, and they work over um, TDK and Silvani. They, they find ways to just wear them down. It, it's becoming a bit of an issue. I said it was a bit of a watch this space, seeing how we can evolve. Because again, I, I'm for the first time I trust. the the coaches and the playing staff to figure this out. We've seen it now become a bit of a trend over two games. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do against Richmond. They don't have those two rucks, so it's going to be a little bit easier. But the test is there now for us. Okay, here's the challenge. You've got to bounce back. You've got to bring back your center bounce um, dominance. And so, yeah, the rucks is an issue. There's not too much I think we can do is the the unfortunate part. There wasn't really anyone to bring in in mid-season for it. That was really going to have that big an influence. We've just got to kind of ride it out. And like we've evolved with moving the ball differently and scoring from turnovers, the midfield's just got to evolve and we've got to add more facets. And I guess I'm going to look at it with the glass half full, the positive outlook, which is how many of these challenges have we come up against so far? Can we play without Harry? Can we play without a Ruckman? Can we play without Wietering? Every single time this happens, you have to be better. You have to adapt. And now we've added these extra layers, not maybe because we wanted to, but because we were forced to. It was do this or you're not winning games of footy. We've sort of ticked a lot of boxes so far. And what we're nine and three, we have a chance next week to go tied top, which is just ridiculous. Once we start to get these players back and we can re-add the facets that we started with, We've just got so many more layers to this football club, and this is the first season under Michael Voss and the assistant coaches. We are going to be an absolute powerhouse if we if we don't even do it this year. My goodness, watch out. Um, so I guess the other thing I wanted to really touch on was that last quarter because I've seen some people, I think, sort of go a couple of different ways. Some people have said, oh, we just sort of we hung on. Some people have said professional performance, I've been quite impressed with it. I was very impressed with it. I thought that what the, the quarter went for about 24 minutes, which is insane. It's just ridiculous. That that does not happen. And I think Doc sort of mentioned it post-game that the boys were out on their feet. There were no goals, which meant no stoppages. I was constantly running, constantly working. And for us to just completely shut that game down, particularly after that Vossi spray saying, boys, you're not up to your standards. This is not what I expect from you. This is not good enough. I was so, so happy with what I saw. And I think for me as well, obviously the quality not there with an Essendon, but it, it reminded me a bit of a final. And what I'm trying to take different aspects from this and see what that means for our season. And I guess knowing that when you're under pressure, you know, less than ideal conditions, we're out on our feet. There's nothing left in the tank. We're constantly running, constantly working like those finals are when it's it's high pressure, everything's going on. For us to be under that adversity, just control the game, outwork the opposition and finish the game, not let the other team in, that's an unreal performance because you don't get that time to settle. And I heard um, in preparation for this, I, I decided knowing I was going to do this by myself, I needed some inspiration. I had to listen to some other Carlton podcasts out there and get some other insight. And I have to give a big shout out to, I believe it was the Prendercast boys that were talking about this, which is what were we struggling with in that game? We were struggling with losing those center clearances, giving Essendon those easy looks. And what do you kind of do, by having zero, what one center bounce for the whole quarter, you take that away from the opposition, and I agree with um what Sean said on that pod where he mentioned that that obviously wasn't the plan to have zero center bounces, but it's a nice way of being able to stop and take away a strength of the opposition. And so yeah, I was just incredibly impressed. It's it's such a hard thing to just gut run out a last quarter with zero stoppages. It's just ridiculous. So yeah, professional is a good way to, to say it. And uh, again, I'm just, it's another box ticked on what can this team do? I haven't seen us be in that situation and I was never worried at all in that last quarter. I thought that we controlled it. We probably could have kicked a few goals. It goes back to the point of me saying we probably overused it a little bit, but all in all, Essen, I think they might've outscored us in that last quarter by like a point or something. Who cares? We spoiled their party, and that is all that matters. Uh, probably a couple of just individual performances I want to touch on before I move on from this game. Uh, again, let me know if there's anyone that that stood out for you, apart from the ones that we'll chat about in the votes coming up, because I've got to say I love Jack Martin's game. He's someone that gets spoken about a bit glowingly, sometimes not glowingly, and, and Vossi sort of said how hard that forward flank role is the other day, saying that it's one position he would not want to play. There's no reward. You're being asked to do so many different things, and sometimes you're just not going to look good on the stat sheet, but it's what you were doing with your running patterns, with your defensive pressure. It's all those little things, and I was really impressed with what I saw from Jack Martin, and my criticism of him at times is just, yeah, I get it. That half forward, you can go missing. But it's probably just the the pressure and intent at times I'm not saying that we know is there. And that's what I was really happy with against the Bombers because his intent when he was around the ball, you could see it was his to be won or he was going to lay the tackle. And those are the things we want from Jack Martin. When he's hungry, when his pressure's up and about, he just, he finds ways to influence things. And he had the four tackles. He led inside 50 tackles with two. He got his goal he Had the five score involvements. I know you might not get all those stats every single week, but that's what I want to see. And that's why Jack Martin's so important to this team. And sometimes I don't give him the credit he deserves, but that tackle pressure, Jackie boy, keep it up because that's how we're going to win games of footy. When we have all these forwards doing it. And I guess another one is, is always again in that forward line. Yet again, he's getting a bit of reward. He gets the two goals. So I think he's backing up now his pressure with the three tackles and the 14 pressure acts, getting that reward on the scoreboard, which has been his issue. I think this season he maybe hasn't got those goals and a lot of play- people have sort of said, does he do enough? I think he does. And so now he's getting that scoreboard reward. It's just making him look like definitely that nailed on player. So I'm, I'm happy to see that from always. And I have to talk about Jack Nunes because those that know me and those that listen to the pod know that I'm never super glowing of this man. And those who are in group chats with me will know that even after this game, so I'll put my hand up on this one. I'll send it in the Jack Nunes abuse saying, oh, he's turned that ball over. What's he doing? What are we getting out of this guy? What? Like Cottrell comes on as the sub, has an incredible performance again. He must be the greatest sub in the history of AFL. And I'm saying, why are we playing Nunes? And i got to say, I watched the game back and I tried to have the mindset of, okay, let's go into this thinking every single one of Jack Nunes' possessions is the greatest thing ever. Let's go in with a positive mindset. And I have to say, (laughs) I'll put my hand up. I was calling him hack Nunes in some group chats. I thought Jack Nunes on reflection was unreal this week Had the 25 disposals, 18 kicks, 442 meters gain, which is the third highest for us seven score involvements, which was the second highest. And yeah, I think I have this obviously negative Jack Nunes bias, which when I see him make a mistake, that's what I picture. And that's what I see from the game. So I guess watching that back, trying to get a different perspective, I noticed different things that I didn't see. I noticed him giving the handball that ended up creating the space. I'm noticing that beautiful inside 50 that just tore Essendon open leads to a shot on goal. And yeah, he makes a couple of those mistakes, and that's why he's not the perfect player. And someone eventually will probably take his spot in this team. But I thought he was incredibly just impressive. He was so instrumental in, I think, our ball movement going forward. He was setting up so much. That's why I had seven score involvements. And for someone that I often, I think I complain about, I just had to give him a shout out because I watched the game and I thought he was garbage and I watched it back and I was like, gee, he was one of our better players. So I think everyone needs to do this with players that they don't rate is go back, watch the game and just try to think, okay, so I know Lob gets a lot of hate too. It's just go back and be like, let's just try and see the things that he does well. And there's so much that you miss. And so I just want to give a big shout out to Jack Nunes. I thought he was just instrumental in our ball movement and that score from turnovers, God, he was involved in so much of it. So big shout out to him. Um, while we're talking about players, let's go into the fan votes. You guys came in droves and one man that was unlucky that I'll give a bit of a shout out to was Harry Mackay. He missed out on any of the votes, uh, kicked a couple of snags, and to come back from injury and look like he hadn't missed a beat was unbelievable. The one vote you gave to Lewis Young, who was just a standout in defense, you gave your two to Walshie, you gave your best on ground to Sam Doherty, who I've spoken about this backline a bit. He was just Everywhere, uh, I sort of reeled off some stats for him earlier and I'll try and scroll up in my run sheet and find them. Yeah, the 33 disposals, 699 meters gained is just ludicrous. The man is just an absolute monster. Like I mentioned with Jack Nunes, he's another one that was just instrumental in every good rebound we had. Um, yeah, my votes, I gave the one to Nick Newman. I thought that he's having this unbelievable time. At the moment, it's been a, a I can a month and a bit where he's been one of our most consistent players, and I thought he deserved a vote in this game. Just outstanding. I as I mentioned with Doc, let me find these stats for this man here. Twenty nine disposals, five hundred and seventy seven meters gained. Yeah, Newman was just unbelievable. Big part of that, and you know, no, knowing that we've lost, you know, Zach Williams, we've lost a bit of run. I just think that Newman's really stood up over this month and and just shown that he can do a bit more. Uh, so big credit to him. I gave the two to Lewis Young, knowing that our backline was going to be under so much pressure. Seeing him stand up and be so composed down there was unbelievable. And, of course, I've had to give my three to Doc. Just what a player. He has to be pretty much everyone's favorite player now after everything he's done this year. Pretty much cemented himself as All-Australian by far. Um, what an absolute human being. So that's going to pretty much wrap up that. Let's start talking about the Richmond game because as much as we love spoiling parties and cop that and your dogs, we've got to move on to a a team that's actually half decent because we've got the chocolates here, this game, (laughs) it's already getting built up so much. That's why I'm rushing to try and get this podcast out now because it's taken a bit over a busy weekend. But if we beat Richmond, we could be equal first, which is sounds crazy to think at uh, what this stage last year. To have someone said if you beat Richmond in round whatever it is, you'll be tied first uh, is just insane how far we've come. But I do believe I'm seeing a lot on Twitter. I think we just need to calm down this if we lose against Richmond the world's over and we won't make the eight. There's just too much panic on this. I know I'm obviously the the glass half full person, but look, we lose. Yeah, it's not ideal. You, You don't want to lose to too many of these teams around you fighting for the eight, but it's a long season. We've just seen Melbourne go from untouchable. No one's close to them to losing their last three. And now people are saying they're not a grand final team anymore. The wheels are off. So I think we need to just call it. If we lose this week, which I don't think we will, but if we do, it's not going to be the end of the world. We can still make finals. There's so many games to go. You can make up for one loss. We've seen us. We lost that one game to Gold Coast. It was panic stations. Look at us now. We're 9-3. and three, And we've seen how good Carlton can be. So I think we just need to we should calm things down. Let the season play out. Let the game just happen before we start panicking, please. Um, so, yeah, I guess one of those that I mentioned earlier in this episode was the rucks? You know, we saw we saw this be such a big pivotal thing for us in our win against Richmond. It's I think the first time we're playing a team that we have played against previously this season, and that last quarter dominated those centre clearances, ran over the top of Richmond. Now, this has been a bit of something we've struggled with the last few weeks: the centre clearances, the ruck dominance. It's just TDK and Sauce there. That's that's the battle I'm excited to see. Can we react? Or do we need to? Have we now got enough elements of this game plan that we're not just reliant on centre clearances now? So, yeah, if we can really stop Richmond on the outside, which we know that's a big strength, their ball movement, that's what they're really good at, it's now become a bit of a strength of ours. So that adds, I'm so excited to see this match up. Both teams have changed a lot over this season. It's going to be an absolute bouncer. And another thing I've tried to do, is I've tried to chat to a lot of other different supporters and kind of get, I guess, their opinion on things because it's so easy for us in this Carlton bubble and when we start looking at the opposition to start worrying about everything they have and go, oh, they've got this, we're down on this, they're going to beat us here. I think we need to start thinking about what we have because the perspective I'm trying to look at, yeah, okay, we, we don't have that center clearance. That's been down. The midfield struggled a little bit. But just how dangerous we are. You look at it. We've got the like two most informed key forwards. Opposition are like we kind of were with our back line with no weedering. It's, oh, no, I just don't want the ball down there because can anyone take a mark? Now, teams are shitting themselves. They are so worried because we get that ball in. If we, if we start winning those center clearances again, that ball comes in so quick. It's a goal basically every single time. Because those guys are just so amazing. They can, their movement, they're working with each other, the chemistry's there. We're one of the best teams in the competition. We've got the two most informed forwards. You, oppositions don't want this, they don't want to come up against Carlton. So we're always going to be a worry, regardless if, if certain parts of our game plan isn't working. But yeah, I, re- I think that we can really cut open Richmond on the outside. We showed glimpses of that when we got a bit of confidence in that last quarter against them last time. We're a different team now. And I just think that we're hungry. We've come up against so much adversity. And I, you know, this is might not be the best thing. I'm, I'll touch all the wood in this room possible, but I watched the Richmond port game and I didn't think they were amazing. Much like we haven't been perfect the last few weeks. And I know people are worried about that. Richmond haven't been either. They almost lost to port. They showed their vulnerabilities and I think, I think that suits us. And so let's go, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. How, how are you guys feeling going into this contest? Do you, do you think it's a win? Are you worried? Let me know. Let me know in the comments below tweet at us. Um, Cause I'd love to get your guys thoughts on the build up. You've seen what we can do with some injuries. How are we going to line up against Richmond? And I guess it goes straight into the changes. And I saved this question from Tim Gigantor who asks, does Dow get another chance with Chera probably out for next week, which was maybe another tale of this game that because we win, it doesn't matter. But once again, we've had a player subbed out in like the first quarter of of a game this season, which can this just, firstly, can this just stop happening? This is ridiculous. How many more injuries can we have? And I think that the Chera ones, it's interesting. We, we Lockie brought up in the midseason review that this man was leading our tackles, which I didn't, I would never have picked, which shows that he he has so many different facets of his game that you maybe don't realize in this midfield that he is this tackling pressure player. He's not that main clearance guy. I kind of always saw him as a bit more of a guy on the outside, but his pressure is immense. And, I guess Dow's the obvious choice of who's your next best midfielder, bring him in, but I'm just, I don't know. I I said, I think last week or so that, you know, Dow maybe wasn't the best person to bring in for Kennedy because he doesn't win the ball on the ground. He's sort of like that gets the ball burst from the stoppage, which is an, it's a part of our game that we don't necessarily have. We don't have that burst from stoppage player. And you maybe would have thought that he'd be a better replacement for but I'm just, I don't know. I'm not i am not sold on it just yet. And maybe this is, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but maybe a bit harsh on Paddy Dow. But I'm now impressed with Jack Nunes. Who would have thought? If you listened to this podcast for a long time, you probably wouldn't expect that. So I'm keeping Nunes in. I want Cottrell in. I liked what he was able to do. I liked the rotation. You can bring him a little bit more Cottrell on the half forward line as well, bring that pressure um, off the center square. You can if you if you just bring in what Cottrell for for Chera, you can maybe bring Zach Fisher in the center bounces a little bit more, which we saw his influence against a Richmond last time. Jack Martin, we've seen him at stages um, in previous years, get some center bounces. Doc can kind of push up a little bit higher. I think we've got guys that can cover. Um, but I'm, I'm not opposed to Dow coming in. I'm just not sure he's the best replacement for our system at the moment, which yeah, it's pretty harsh. It's a I can definitely see an avenue where a Will Hayes gets an opportunity because unlike Durden, he's been in our VFL program. He knows the game plan. He can come straight in and I kind of like him a little bit more bringing that defensive pressure can be inside, can be outside. There's more rotation and I don't want to make this the Paddy Dow show sort of episode based on him, but I'm starting to just worry he's a little too one-dimensional because everyone in this midfield can kind of rotate. Walshie can impact off the half forward and kick goals. He can go onto the wing and play outside there. Cripper can go forward. Kennedy can go forward. Hewitt can just stay in the middle because he's elite. Dow isn't that kind of player where you can just pretty much play him in the middle and that's it he can't play really anywhere else and at least a will hayes can go outside on the wing he's got these other facets of his game so i'm just worried that this the dow's inability to really play other positions means that he has to be in the center bounce otherwise he's lost on this field and yeah maybe that's like i've said maybe that's a bit mean And maybe he just comes straight in because he's your next best midfielder. And uh, I'll back in the selection committee now. I've seen enough to say that I think they know a little bit more than me. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I think for me, I'd either do sort of Cottrell in or Will Hayes comes in. But I think I still really want to see Cottrell because he's just been unbelievable. Uh, but, But let me know the changes that you guys would do. Does Dow come straight in? Is everyone 100% on the Dow train saying we've lost a midfielder, bring him in, or is there anyone else that you want to see? Do you want to change the back line? Does Durden come in? Let me know in the comments below if you're on YouTube um, or, or tweet at us. I know I'll be putting out some things on Twitter and Instagram saying your team changes for this week. It's, but it's an exciting time. As I said, we could be equal first if we beat Richmond. God, you just – you have to be excited. Um, but before I wrap up on this uh, this solo pod that I've still found a way to go for 40-odd minutes, so well done. I can definitely talk for hours. Um, but I've said multiple times, um, appreciate all you guys' support and everything you do for us. But I put out a bit of call, call to action saying get on Spotify, give us those five-star reviews. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a written review And we will read every single one out if you give us five stars. You give us four, it ain't happening. You give us five, I'll pretty much read out anything you say. And we have had one. So thank you, guys, you are listening. And I always appreciate it because you're taking your time out of your day for this. Um, So we've got one from, I believe it's Jacob. He says, I like this, uplifting listening. So someone get this guy a job to write uh, headlines because I absolutely love that. He says, I always look forward to listening and watching you guys, your guys banter um, about my beloved Carlton. It is definitely my favorite part of the week. My only criticism. Oh, here we go. We like a bit of feedback. Um, would be to ask for more content. But I guess you have your own lives. These guys are so down-to-earth funny and heartfelt and would highly recommend. So thank you for that, Jacob. Love the uh, the feedback too. And, look, I agree with you. Um, obviously, Lockie's got more of a life than I do. He's off to Europe. He's he's up and left us. He's left the, the cold Melbourne weather, which I do not begrudge him for. Uh, but, yeah, we'd look, we'd love to do – I'd love to do an, an episode and – And content every single day if I could, Uh, but yeah, unfortunately we're very busy boys, but we try harder. So thank you for that. And if you've got any reviews for us, if you've got any feedback, again, drop us that five star review and I will read it out. Uh, But look, that's pretty much going to wrap this episode up. Thank you guys for listening. Let us know everything, Um, team changes, what you thought about the Essendon game, and I just got to leave you with this one. Look, I'm not much of a singer. But I've gone to some effort. It was Essendon's 150th anniversary that I thought I'd write them a little bit of a song here. Harry scoring all around us. Beggars cheering, having fun. It's the season, loving, understanding. Happy birthday, Essendon. Shove that one up, Essendon.